0: Hello, hello, my psychotherapy listeners. I am Jet Dunlap. I am actually about to go to set on my fourth day of this movie with Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and the useless Jared Leto. Enough of my Jared Leto bashing. You got enough of that in the last episode. Today's episode goes into the crazy week I had last week. We go into the depth of what it was like to be evacuated. And more importantly, what it was like, I don't know if it's more important, but equally as important, what it's like to sit around for hours and hours on end and not know if you're going to be evacuated. Then be evacuated, told that you have to be outside and get ready to go, and then be evacuated again. I've said before, but I'll say it to you now, that it feels like someone puts a gun to your head says you have to move your house, just like if you were moving to a new house, and they say it's one of the most stressful things. Well, picture someone put a gun in your head and did that same thing. But when you say, how long do I have, Mr. Moving Gunman? And they say, I don't know. Uh, Let's see. That's really one of the most stressful parts, is that it's just, you have to go, you don't know when, you're just waiting on this unpredictable fire, and you're dealing with the fire department and the police department. What a stressful thing. Plus, I told you guys before that my studio, my basement had flooded, So I was dealing with that simultaneously and coming off of this movie. It's early for me, so remember, I'm going to set right now. I wanted you guys to get this intro and get this show as soon as possible. Just another level of how much I care for you and your hearing of my malarkey. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Jet Dunlap. What? No big deal there. I just forgot how to say my name. My name is Jet Dunlap, and this is Psychotherapy. few days after the set days where I met Rami. Pretty significant week already it's becoming. I'm tired, I'm food poisoned, or I have some kind of weird mild 24-hour flu. What I mean by that is that I've had a flu before. I had a flu a couple times when I was a kid, but the most recent one I remember was in 2002. I had a flu in 2002! This is my 1950s song about how Susie gave me a flu. Susie gave me a flu that later turned out to be AIDS. Wah, wah. Anyway, that's not true. Nor appropriate, Jet. I had a flu in 2002. Oh, I want to sing again. <laughs> in Santa Cruz. That's true. Oh my God, I'm rhyming all the time and again. I hate it when I do that. My soul wanted to be a poet rapper. Oh, I want to wrap that too. I was in Santa Cruz. I had a flu. No more rhymes. It was horrible. It was the only time in my life where I ever had roommates and I was in Santa Cruz beach flats, which is where they sell crack and heroin. I didn't know that at the time, but man, (laughs) if you want to get some heroin near the beach, it's the place to go. My downstairs neighbor was on PCP once more than once, but one night my, uh, Girlfriend at the time, Ashley, was spending the night. And I thought it was amusing because I grew up in a pretty bad neighborhood in L.A. when I was a kid. So I wasn't too unaccustomed to this. But this is the first time I ever heard this. He was on PCP and he was mad at his wife. And he got so mad. Get ready for this because I talked to the police that night. He tore his toilet off the ground. Tore it off the ground with his body on PCP. And threw it into the bathtub multiple times. Now this was a really crappy little two-story duplex thing. And if you have never heard the sound of an angry PCP'd up guy tear a toilet out of the ground, and those things are pretty secure. If you've ever sat on a toilet and not had it fall over, then they're pretty secure, right? And you probably never had that happen. And if you have, I'm not fat shaming you, but you might want to talk to your doctor. This this happened to Kevin Smith, and he ended up getting into weight loss big time. But uh, he tore it off the ground, threw it in the bathtub, and my girlfriend was crying all night long, and I could not stop laughing. It was the most insane sound. His bathroom is directly below my bedroom. So that acoustic experience was second to none as far as acoustic experiences in an apartment above a guy tearing off a toilet. I digress. That is where I got my last flu. My flu was so bad, I remember having a very difficult time grabbing my phone and calling my aunt to have her come over and bring me some Gatorade and crackers because I could not move. You know, the kind where you can't even go to the bathroom to throw up. you got to have that bucket or pan that uh, is right next to your bed. Now I'm thinking about it. My parents used to have the vomit bucket thing when we were kids. And now, right now, it's dawning on me, that's, that's also the thing we made brownies in. I know things can be cleaned, but mom, why was the thing we vomited in the same thing we made brownies in? Gross. Let's have it. No, but then if you have a designated vomit bucket... You have to be some kind of wealthy person. Like, we didn't have that kind of room or space or money. So, I forgive you, Mom. Still a little weird, but you are forgiven. The flu was so incapacitating that when I had my aunt come over to give me this food, I had to go down these stairs because I was upstairs. And the tile floor was one of those horrible, horrible 90s apartments. This was in the 2000s, but still, you know, built in probably early 80s, 90s. And the tiles were these long, thick tiles on a staircase. So, they were jagged and they were freezing cold. I had to go down on my butt one stair at a time and breathe deeply to try and keep myself from passing out as I went down. That's how painful it was to get back up to my room. My aunt, who's four foot eleven, she'll call herself five feet. And, you know, only time will tell. I don't have a measuring tape on me right now and she's not here, but she may or may not be that tall. She is not a legal midget or little person, which is something that I always found amusing when I was a kid because I thought the idea of being an illegal little person was pretty funny. I have little people in my family, so I cannot be accused of being against little people. I am fine with them. This is not the point of this story. The whole reason I went down that whole path, and it was a long path, and it was a psychopath, was because that flu was awful. So whatever I had this week was not nearly as awful as that flu. Why was I talking about illegal midgets? That question is for my psychotherapist. But it was bad this food poisoning or whatever it was. After I wake up from that the next day, Gina's going to the gym or we're doing something and I can't go with her because I'm just feeling way too bad. And I don't like being outstaged by Gina and fitness because she and I are locked in a death grip of competition in physique, which is good because if you're going to be in competition with something with your spouse, might as well be something healthy. We're always kind of competing for fitness, not like consciously. We're not flexing in front of the mirror. She's in great shape. I try and be in great shape. She's more consistent. But when I get into it, I go crazy and I get crazy, sh- crazy shit fit. I get crazy fit. Okay. I'm pulling it together. I'm pulling it together. So I couldn't even go to the gym with her. But what happens? Gina goes down to the basement where my studio is, and she comes up and she goes, The basement's flooding. The basement's flooding. The red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. And I gallop in, and you know, that that old history story. But she goes around looking for her father, you know, her parents live in the other building, we live in this area, and then we have tenants on the other side. Well, this shop is between the tenant's place, our place, and it's kind of centrally located. So she looks for her dad, can't find him anywhere. And her parents, her mom and her brother, who are not the most useful people in the world, to say the least, they say, oh, he's not in here whatsoever. Now, does her family, her younger brother, who's 29 years old, who is fully capable of doing anything I can, being that he's younger, and grown up on this land his entire life, so you think he'd be able to help? He just sits there and keeps playing video games. Does her mother show extreme concern for the property? Does any of the family show extreme concern for the property being that they can't find her father? No, I'm the only one who has to do it. Do I know where the shutoff valve is? No, but can I figure stuff out because I know stuff? Absolutely, I run around, I fund the shutoff valve, I fund the shutoff valve, I give it some money, I find the shutoff valve, I shut it off, and I save the day. Am I a hero? Yes. Am I modest? I am the most modest person in the world. Do I speak in absolutes? Never in my entire life will I ever speak in absolutes. But am I the best? Yes, I am. I find it, I shut it off, and I start vacuuming out the basement while no one in the house will help whatsoever, still waiting for Gina's father to show up. Why does it matter so much that her father's there? Am I helpless without this guy? No, I've built many things. I've already told you I am great and modest. He built this so he knows where the shutoff valve is. And what to do next. So finally, he ends up showing up much later after I've cleaned everything out, dried everything out, it had sprayed everywhere, I got the shop back out, cleaned everything, made sure all my studio stuff was away, blah, blah, blah. He shows up, he was napping in the house the whole time. Adam, her brother, who's right next door to him, doesn't even look. Doesn't even look to see where he is. The whole basement could have flooded, and no one was going to do anything because they knew I'd do it. So there's my gripe. I don't eat grapes, but I got gripes, and that's my gripe. And that's a new section on this show, Jetty's Gripes. Jetty's Gripes, sponsored by Grapes. Grapes, it's what I don't like. (laughs) That's their ad. So I end up working on this, blah, blah, blah. I find out from Thomas that we need to dig through this slab, which I figured, but I didn't want to start until he had, you know, seen it. So I cut out this section about, I'm not going to go into this section depth, but it's two feet of concrete that I have to jackhammer out. I still have food poisoning. I feel like S-H-I-T. I said it earlier, but it was an accident. This time I spelled it. I have to dig through this slab, even though, again, she has a 29-year-old brother playing video games upstairs, who you may even say has more of a stake in this property than I do. Whatevs. I do it, because I'm a man and I'm built out of different stuff. I get down there, we're working on it, we don't end up being able to fix it that night, even with floodlights and everything. It's copper piping, of course, and uh, her dad needs to work on it with me the next day. So, I'm exhausted, food poisoning, two days of working on set, and I'm getting ready to go to bed. Gina and I are watching TV. There, I admit it. And at about midnight, I get this text. And it says, San Fernando Valley North Fire. Emergency warning. Evacuation pending. I look up on the news. I see this giant, what is called Saddle Ridge Fire out in Silmar. Silmar, though, right? At this time, though, to shed a little light on the subject, or wind in this case, there were 23 to 24 mile per hour gusts at our house. I have one of those... Um, Wind meter things you could get at Costco that gives you the temperature and the wind specifically here. Cause where we are in Chatsworth, we're right at the Santa Susana Pass. Have you ever heard of the Santa Santa Ana winds? Well, we're right there in that path. So we get insane winds. If you come to our property, you'll see our pine tree and the other places. Don't come to our property, but if you did, you'd see that all the trees are bent. To a certain angle, go to Chatsworth Park South or Chatsworth Park North, they'll see the same thing. They're bent at an angle because we get huge gusts. So I put this wind meter up because I was so interested in what the gusts were going to be. On this report, it said 30 to 55 mile per hour winds. So I look up the wind direction because we've been in a lot of situations where we're about to be evacuated. Fires that were right up on our hill, and our hill is right above us. I mean, if you know where Stony Point is or Rocky Peak... It's that same geography that we're attached to. And right above us is a hill that caught fire last year. So we're no stranger to this. We're no stranger to pre-evacuation. But I'm pretty nervous because this fire looks pretty big. But again, I've dealt with it. I shouldn't say nervous. I'm anxious. There it is. It's in Silmar. What's going to happen? But the winds are blowing in the wrong direction, I find out. They're blowing southwest. You guessed it, southwest. And that's not good because we are southwest of the fire. So it's midnight. Gina's getting ready to go to bed. She can sleep through anything. And she has an incredible husband who will take care of everything so she doesn't have to worry about it. That incredible husband, just to make it very clear, is me. Me being Chet Dunlap. Just so you really know who I think is incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're about to go to bed. And then, me, 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 me. Another alert goes off on my phone and it says it's in Granada Hills. And I'm like, it went from Silmar to Granada Hills. It's jumped the five, the fire. This is very scary now because it's coming quick. I mean, that is a distance for it to go, jumping the five freeway. Then Gina's asleep and I keep looking at my phone and I see a report that says it will be at Topanga Canyon in two hours. We're at Topanga Canyon. So the fire is going to hit us and I go, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, oh, shoot but I say it with the bad word. I put on my Dickies. I was going to say Little Dickies, but that's a wrapper. A uh, I put on my Dickies like um, mechanic jumpsuit, and I put on my, uh, like I have this vest. Vest. It's a of vest. And, uh, or is it? I put that on, and I start spraying the yard. I attach a hose to another hose. Now, remember, here's the funniest thing, except for not funny. What just happened to me? Oh, I didn't tell you this. When the water was shut off to the basement, it shut off to our house. So I had to run another line from another place in the house to our house so we have water. But my normal water solutions that have hoses are gone. So I have to use this hose extension that's leaking to literally spray down and gather all the brush around the property. Now, are we good at cleaning up the brush? Absolutely. Are we good at getting rid of fallen trees? Absolutely. We fill up the green bins, which in our area, the green bins are the um, green waste, We fill that up every single week. That's just a policy here. You always have to do it. We're on over an acre and a half, and there's a lot of green ways to get rid of leaves, stuff like that. But is there still stuff back there? You bet. You bet there is. So I have to go and spray all that all night long just in case embers are coming because obviously this is moving fast. And while I am out there, my phone vibrates. And I think maybe it's Gina calling me from inside the house saying, Jet, where are you? It's not. It's saying that we are getting close to being pre-evacuation because now it's gone from Granada Hills to Porter Ranch, which is just a gust of wind and an ember away from getting us. So going to Top Gear. Two days on set. Food poisoning. I'm jackhammering all that day, and now I'm up all night long. Wake up the next day. It just gets worse. There's smoke everywhere. We have to decide what's going on. So we finally end up getting the pre-evacuation notice, and we have to fill our cars. So first, we think we have to get out of Dodge. We start hearing the police. The police are going by and they're going, you are in an evacuation area, mandatory evacuation in effect. Guys, that is a terrifying thing to hear. I mean, terrifying. Because then you have to go, what do I need to take? And surprisingly, it's not as much stuff as you think. It's stuff that you really care about. You know, I take my hard drives, all my expensive electronics, our birth certificates, ID, all that stuff put it in a safe, throw it in the FJ, attach the trailer to the FJ like a champ. I mean, man, am I a man's man's man. I got that trailer hooked up to that FJ in no time flat. I was ready to pull up stakes and roll out. Now I was going to leave the RV because the RV hasn't been driven in three years or so, and it had stuff behind it and stuff accumulates, and Gina's dad's cargo van that's like one of those big box trucks that's like 22 feet is right behind my vehicle. So it goes like this, 36-foot, 20,000-pound RV, twenty-four to 25,000-pound RV, giant 22-foot cargo vehicle, my off-road trailer, my FJ Cruiser, and then you can get the RV out, right? I started with the RV, but this is the last thing in. And I created this whole driveway that didn't even exist before I came in. I dug it out of the ground, per me getting the use of this area. So we're ready, and we're in the FJ, and we're going to go, and then the police say, oh, well, you have a little bit more time, and here's where being a manly man does not work. That was something my brother used to uh, challenge me with when I was a kid. He'd say, a manly man would break the ice in that pool in Mammoth and jump into the water. So I jumped in the water because I'm a manly man. He got me into a lot of trouble with that manly man trick. He'd be like, a manly man would do this, a manly man would do that. I did a lot of stupid things per the manly man agreement. Anyway, that was challenged when Gina and her brother said, "Well, should you move the RV?" I said, "Okay, challenge accepted." <laughs> so I had to move oh my god, literally tons of stuff from behind it, tires, wood that had piled up. Little just nesting bullshit that we've had back there forever. I had to unplug the electrical. Unplug the ethernet. Unplug the fresh water. Unplug the gray water. Cap off the gray water. Cap off the black water. Clap, clap on, clap off. The story is too long. Um, cut all the umbilicals that go to the shade that goes on one side. I mean, three years worth of stuff. Start the vehicle. Unplug the trickle charger. Up the jacks get this thing ready, and then if you saw the driveway, you'd go, no way does a 36-foot dually trailer move out of here like this. I mean, we've lived in this for four years. It looks like a federal building. It's giant. It's giant. Oh, plus we have an air conditioning wall unit that's in an apparatus that we put in the window. I have to remove all this. Uh, Who's going to help you? Nobody, because you're the man. Even though being a man is the worst thing in the world you could be right now, still all the responsibility falls on me, but I have no problem with it. So... I start the vehicle, we move everything out. I still have my FJ to move because Gina can't move that because it's an off-road vehicle with an off-road trailer and she doesn't feel comfortable. So I still have to move that. Gina's driving the Prius. There's a branch, a giant branch, probably about 12 or 13 inches in diameter, probably larger, that's now blocking my air conditioning unit from getting out of the driveway properly on the top of my RV. But on the other hand, the fence, the gate that goes through, the concrete gate that we go through is not wide enough for me to turn to get out properly. And then we go into a street that's tiny. So the back of the RV is going to hang out about 10 feet into the park before I'm able to turn. I do not hit the side, even though my rear view camera is not working and I have no rear visibility and I don't have enough time to do my mirrors. I do not hit the branch. Why? Because I am a steely-eyed missile man and I can do anything Booyah, I pulled this bad boy out. Did I have 30 pounds of pressure wrong in one side of the dually tire? Did I have about 40 pounds of pressure wrong in the other side? Yes. Did I have about 20 to 30 pounds of pressure wrong in the front? And was I off my airbags that I told you before? They're about 10 pounds of pressure. They should be at 100 pounds. Yes. Is this thing about 13 to 14 feet tall with the air conditioning units? And is everything overgrown in this neighborhood? All yeses, all yeses. Did I get this out of here and pulled onto a street that I could park? Did I? Yes. Did I parallel park this mamma jamma? Oh, you bet I did. And why? Because I have an overinflated sense of confidence, which in the case of moving an RV is very convenient. I move it. I get in my wife's Prius. I book it out of there. I run in. I take my trailer. I take my FJ. I reverse that bad boy, and I take it away too. Bam, bam, bam. Then we're in a waiting pattern. We have moved quickly. So what do I do? I start watering down the roof and the rest of the property and I start digging because everyone who listens to this knows I like digging. I'm Mr. Digger. I shouldn't have said that, but I said digger, digger with a D. I dig. So I'm a digger. You heard me right. Okay. Enough of that. Lotsie, her uncle calls me number one gopher. That's even better. But I'm digging and I'm filling in all the trenches that have been left over the last rainy season from the RV's stands. Now, Gia and I have made fantastic platforms for this. I'm just telling you that because I want you to understand we know what we're doing. So I was using this opportunity to kind of make some improvements because I hadn't moved the RV for a long time because it's so difficult to do. And once you're outside, it's very difficult to maneuver. So we start making the best of it, all this stuff. We're on evacuation for a very long time. And during this period, I'm a little stressed out because my RV slash home is very far away. And I know that when I put everything back together, it's going to be extremely stressful. I mean, we didn't leave like the place was on fire, but we left pretty quickly, quickly and safe, but quickly. And I know I have to bring my trailer in and I have to bring in Gina's dad's cargo van and I have to bring in the RV and (sighs) are you getting this? How I mean, plus we had to get things in the basement, get things out of the basement, get all the materials together, get everything safe. We had to uh, have in our car, so nothing is... You feel very disjointed. This story could take another six and a half hours, but that would be problematic because it's already too boring and you want out of it. But I did end up having to go back, get the RV, pull it in, get down here, pull it in, pull everything up, level it. Oh my God, hook all the... Electrical, all those wires and plugs I had to pull in before, I had to do again. And now it's just catching up with me. Because <laughs> now it's Sunday and I've been doing this nonstop and the uh, basement, yeah, the basement is still not fixed. So we still don't have proper water this place. We're just using a hose hooked up to the RV to supplies with water in here, but our outdoor shower and all that stuff isn't working. So it's been a real pain in the neck. And I just realized because of Gina that I'm on set tomorrow again. So it's been a crazy, crazy week. But did I neglect my episodes? No. Not only did I not neglect getting the episodes in this week, but when I was leaving, I grabbed all my podcast stuff and two mics. I mean, obviously, I was going to grab the laptops, but the hard drive and all that stuff because I didn't want to miss out. And I thought, if I really am evacuating and something tragic happens, I want my audience here because I've always been committing... (laughs) committing crimes against the radio. No, I've always been committed to giving you guys what's going on my life in real time. So if I feel or sound crazy, if I feel punchy or nuts, that's because since last Sunday, I haven't got any sleep. Let's go through it again. Two days on a movie, food poisoning, pipe ruptures. That night, I'm up all night watering the entire property moving all these vehicles, digging in the ground. I'm not half done. We don't even have all our stuff put back and won't for days. My basement that had a lot of my stuff is still in a condition of flooding. The flood is taken care of, but we still have to get that pipe fixed. It's been absolute madness. But will I neglect my obligation to you folks? Never. Because it's a commitment. Why did I syllabicate it like that? I have no idea. But the reason I make point of that is that you can't miss out on those things you're supposed to do, man. Guy and Guyette. You can't because then you will. I have to work out. Fortunately, I've been lifting things up and down stairs. So I've gotten my physical fitness that way. But my commitment to this show cannot be hindered. As a matter of fact, I have a little video that maybe I'll play in the next episode where I talk to you guys about what it's like to evacuate. Because I think it's important, especially in this show, like I talked about in the last episode, for you to have heard me starting with no plan whatsoever, then hear me going up and doing stand-up and saying things are going to change, and then things changing. And then me being on the set of a movie with all these Oscar winners. How could I have predicted that? I couldn't, but stuff has changed. I moved and the universe moved towards me, because I moved towards it. And that's the deal. That's how it works. And so even with this tragedy, I wanted you guys to hear what was going on and where my mind was and how I am still not discouraged. Still not discouraged. Things have not gone well for me this week. There's also been some other things that have gone that have been very distracting, but I don't let that stop me from doing the things I know I need to do. And I'm not talking about like taking the trash out and BS like that. I'm talking about the obligations I have to what I feel I'm here for. And that's this this show. Why, Jet? This is a stupid show that no one cares about and tens of people listen to. And when they do, they go, I hate that Jet Dunlap, and they make their own I hate Jet Dunlap shirts. That's not my insecurity. I've actually bought a couple of those shirts, because trust me, no one hates him like I do. But as I approach my two-year anniversary of my sobriety on the 23rd, I think about how many things and how many challenges I've had in those last two years. The worst of which last year, when I had that huge falling out with my family, ending after the death of my grandfather, something that completely crumbled my world. And also almost physically killed me because I was completely redoing that landscaping project with all that concrete in my grandparents' backyard. That anniversary is this week right now, and it still hurts. So all these things that have been so painful, but they are leading me to a thing, and if that thing is just to share this with you, the emotion of what I've been going through, be able to hear about a person right after they were evacuated, and hear... What it is in my egoic nonsense that may be relatable, may be understandable, and may be able to be dissected and go, okay, well, I understand this from him. That makes sense. Maybe I should look into that. Maybe I do too much of this. Maybe I don't do enough of that. I think there's value in it. (laughs) Do I end too many episodes where I talk about how I think there's value in what I'm saying? Maybe C, maybe no. I made a friend this week, this guy, Scott. Cool dude. He was in a band. He pursued his passion. And uh, I think he's still working in music, but he was working in background and kind of found himself in the same position I was where we hadn't done it in a long time, but we were humble enough to go back and go, let's see what happens. And if it was just us running into each other, that's cool. I met a new cool person. I was open to the opportunity of an opportunity. And doing that after being in this world for 10 years, he was on stage as a rock star. I've been on stage as a quasi-movie star or successful in film and television, and then I went back and I humbled myself to go back down to that level. Now, did it help that Gina was... Gina? I think it's Gina, my wife. Yes, Gina. Did it help that Gina encouraged me? Sure. But did I have to make that step? She knew it. She knew she couldn't force me. But why did I do it? Because keeping myself in a state of malleability, not to say just humble, but saying that I have to be open for opportunities I can't see, I would never have met Rami Malek again if it wasn't for that. So there is something in that too, going on stage and then going down to the very low level of this industry to meet someone that may have clicked something in my subconscious that leads to the next level. Every episode you've heard since episode 30 has been a progress, a piece of progress in my existence towards what I'm trying to get to. And a lot of that is to help you folks, or I don't know, entertain you folks. I can't decode what this is to you and to someone, it is different than the other person. You know, There's no two people who I've heard who have listened to this show and get the exact same thing. And that's great. So it's personal. It's got layers. Like a dip. I love that. And I care about this. Like Gina said the other day, the reason I had to grab my mics is because I had to get back to my audience. And I'm really stoked that I have that purpose. It gives my life more meaning. So here comes another episode where I thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity with Rami and to meet new people. I mean, think about it. I grabbed my audio equipment just like I grabbed my journal when I was a kid when my dad and I were in a violent situation and the only thing I cared about when I was leaving was my journal. That's all I cared about when I had to leave the house because of something that was going on at the house. Again, not his fault anymore. He was in the midst of the same disease that I suffered from. I forgive him completely because I understand. I wish I could hate him, but I can't. But when I left this place because of a fire, it was the same thing. I grabbed my journals and I grabbed my mic. Because my journal now is with you guys. Because I think it has resonance. And I think it's important. And I feel it's important. And so I have something that has meaning. For a guy like me, suffered from the things I've suffered from, meaning is important. And my life has transformed in the last year. Some of that has come from this. A lot of it recently. So thank you. I can't wait to hear from me in the next episode. I'm sure it'll be interesting. And I don't hear about it until you hear about it, because I don't know what I'm going to say until I get on the mic. I'm Jet Dunlap. This was Psychotherapy. Stay Fire 3 out there, and I'm out of words. Thank you for listening.